Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you're here with us. <clears throat> you can make some space in your rows. It is a good day to praise the Lord. Amen? Yes, it is. Amen. Yes, it is. Let's stand together and praise the Lord.
It's his battle, it's not ours. We try to fight battles thinking it's our battle, and we try to fight it in the power of our flesh. We're not going to get anywhere, but when we fight the battle that he has put before us, and he's the one doing the fighting and using us, uh, then victory is certainly ours. So good to have you in the Lord's house this morning. So grateful for each person here. If you're watching by way of YouTube... Or uh, Facebook, we're so glad to have you with us. And want to remind you that all the messages are archived. You can go back and pick those up if you'd like to. And uh, we're in the study on the life of Christ right now, and I am thoroughly enjoying it. I am having a ball studying this. I'm learning stuff every single day. You can go through Bible college. You can pastor for almost 50 years. And every time you pick up the Word of God, you still learn new things. So... Or maybe it's because I'm so old, the things I learned today, I actually knew before, but I just forgot about them. I don't know. Either way, it's a blessing. Amen? Amen. Our Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you allow us to be your children. God, in a world that's so dark, in a world that's going just as fast as it can downhill, Lord, you are in control, and we're so glad you are at the wheel. Father, we pray that your will would be done in our lives, in our families, in our church 
in our city, in our state, in our country, in this world. God, we pray for worldwide revival. We pray for a revival right here. May today it start in the hearts and the lives of people that are gathered here at First Baptist Church. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name and all of God's people said. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here. This is welcome. Congratulations. You made time change. You did real well. I'm so glad for you. I'm thinking that if time change, if the rapture occurs on a Sunday when it's time change, some people are going to miss it. You know that? So be grateful that you got it covered today. So tempted by Satan will be the, uh, the lesson today, the sermon from the Word of God. And also, what I want to mention, we'll be having Holy Communion at the end of this service. So here's what I want you to do all throughout this message. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about having ears to hear and eyes to see the things of God. And not talking about spiritual, our physical eyes and ears, talking about spiritual eyes and ears. So keep them open to the things of God and prepare yourself. The Bible says to examine our hearts, and it means to dig deep into, look into, be honest, and judge ourselves. It's one of the most incredible opportunities we have to keep from being judged by God for our sins. We judge ourselves. That's, that's God's provision. That's not my interpretation. That's what God says. And so examine your own hearts. Make sure you're ready for that. Next Sunday, Lord willing, be preaching on the call of the first disciples. Uh, and actually, it's not the call of the first disciples. I changed that. It's the first disciples. Calls come a little bit later on something else I learned. Uh, so that'll be next Sunday. And then we have a potluck on the 26th of um, this, this, this month. So here's a sign-up sheet, main dish, your contact information, side dish or salad, desserts. Um, and we would like to pass this around the next two weeks. And if you are able to bring something, go ahead and put that down so we'll know that we have enough uh, food, and so just keep it going to the very back. Once it gets to the very end, somebody in the back row, please take it to Julie or just leave it on the back seat there, one or the other, but sign up for that. We'll have a good time of fellowship uh, if it's not raining. If it is raining, we'll have a good time of fellowship. Amen? <clears throat> Spring cleaning for Easter, Saturday, April the 8th. The Saturday before Easter, we want to make sure God's house is in tip-top shape. We appreciate those that uh, keep it clean all the time, but we want to just do a little extra deep dive uh, on April the 8th from 9 until noon. Bring your own cleaning supplies that you're familiar with, and let's just uh, make sure it's spick and span around here. Easter, two services, one at 8.30 and one at 10.15. There will also be overflow area on the patio for both services. A new member class and luncheon, April the 16th. We'll give you a free lunch if you stick around. You do not have to join after the class if you don't want to. If you figure out what we're all about and say, are you kidding me? You don't, no obligation? Okay. Um, but we'd love to have you sign up for that. How can you sign up with one of these connection cards in the seat back in front of you? Go ahead and fill that out and uh, turn it in, say, uh, new member class, uh, and give us your contact information. Yeah, also, if you're a first-time guest or first time in a long time, please fill out one of these and turn it in also. You can give it to one of us or you can put it in the offering box in the back to the left of the double doors as you leave. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings. Uh, let's see. Also, gentlemen, uh, we, we have, the ladies went to a retreat last week, uh, and they had a great time. There were 24 ladies that went, and they came back all filled up uh, with the power of God and the Holy Spirit. They probably straightened you out by now. They've had a, they've had a whole week to do that. 
Some of you might take a little longer than a week, but um, if you're interested in a men's retreat, there's one coming up September the 29th, 30th, and October the 1st. So it's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, September 29th through October 1. Uh, please use one of these. Put down your name, your contact information, put down men's retreat, and we'll see if we have an interest in that. And uh, if you would like to do that, we'd love to take care of it. On the back table, uh, right by the sound booth, we have some of these Easter invites. We're going to put these on the seats uh, the Sunday before, on Palm Sunday. But right now, if you'd like to take some and begin inviting people to Easter services, those are available for you. Go ahead and grab as many as you would like. Uh, I wonder, do we have Catherine Sargent? Are you here this morning? Catherine? Okay, and uh, Paul's not here, I know. Okay, so we have these. Uh, we'll give out next time they're here. I, I just want to share this with you. I, some of you might wonder why in the world I would share something like this in the bulletin today. And the reason is because we as Christians are supposed to be salt and light. Salt is a preservative. Salt has healing properties. Light has healing properties, and light, of course, drives away the darkness. But listen to this. Cal this is your California legislature and my California legislature out of control. Here's what I wrote. This doesn't fit with the sermon today, but you need to be aware of what your state legislatures are doing already this year. There are 10, here are 10 most unwanted, offensive, and dangerous pieces of legislation proposed by the California legislature. AB 957 threatens parents with loss of custody of their children over transgenderism. If you don't agree with your child's desire to be to transgender, uh, then your kids can be taken away from you if they pass this. AB 655 allows minors to consent to counseling without parents. A, A should be A, ACA, I think I have that right, five, repeals traditional marriage. Proposition eight, one man, one woman marriage from the state constitution removes that from the state constitution. AB 315, enables anyone to sue pro-life pregnancy centers over false or misleading speech regarding abortion. AB 1078 usurps local control of books and curriculum in public schools. You know why? Because parents are rising up. Parents are saying, enough of this stuff. We don't want this kind of stuff taught to our kids. So they're going to try to make it a law <clears throat> in California uh, that, the, that that's out of your hands. Senate Bill 345 replaces term unborn child with the term fetus in state codes, further seeking to dehumanize babies. AB 659 mandates HV, HPV vaccine for public and private school teenagers, which assume they will be sexually active. SB, Senate Bill 58 legalizes mind-altering magic mushrooms for recreational use. Why not? We've got alcohol. We've got uh, marijuana. We've got other stuff. Why not? Just, you know, let, you're out there on the roads with these people, folks. Uh, I, I ride along with the, the Coronado police, and it's amazing the number of people that are out there smoking weed and driving or driving intoxicated. So uh, this is just another way to have problems, I think. Uh, AB Assembly Bill 1432 requires insurance companies to cover abortions and transgender treatments. AB 5 intends to implement LGBTQ indoctrination training for teachers, all teachers. So let's write or call our elected officials. It's the least we can do. May God save California. So if you don't think that's appropriate, I'm sorry. I, I think it's very appropriate for children of God, Christians to stand up and, and be light in an otherwise very dark world. So let's stand and, and we'll continue to worship the Lord in song.
Thank you, praise team. Thank you so much. Appreciate you and love you. Love what you do for us and leading us to the throne of God's and worshiping him. All right, boys and girls, would you come up here from First Baptist Church, all the young ladies, all the young men for just a minute. I want to show you a little short video in a second, and then I want to talk to you for a minute about something that's very real that every single person understands and knows about. So yeah, come on. Is that, is, is that Philemon back there? Hey, Philemon, did you get our goodie box or did it pass you? <laughs> oh man, we put $500 bill in there just, just for you. That's, oh my goodness. Well, good to have you, man. Good to see you. God bless you. Glad to have you back. All right. There's a hug. Okay. All right, boys and girls, I want you to watch it. How many like videos? Nobody likes videos? Do you like to watch videos? You want a little short one? Okay. We got a little short one to show them. Watch right up here with your moms and dads. You can have Cruz X, but you can't have them right now, okay? You gotta wait. You gotta wait until mommy and daddy come back, okay? You can't eat these yet. You gotta wait until we come back. I'm gonna leave them right here. Don't touch them. Wait, okay? <laughs> We're gonna come back. Don't eat them yet. Don't eat them. We'll be right back. We just gotta go get something. Just, go, just wait a second. <laughs> Okay, the reason they like that so much is because every one of us have been through that. Every single one of us. How many even know Jesus wants you? Huh? How many? How many know that Jesus wants you to do good, good things? How many know that? Everybody? Yeah, he wants you to do good things. How many know that there's a devil? And the devil wants you to do what kind of things? Bad things. That's exactly right. And you know what? The devil came to Jesus and wanted him to do bad things. And what did Jesus say? He, he didn't say, I don't know. He said, no. He said, no. And then he said, get out of here, devil. So when the devil tries to get you to do bad things, I want you to stand up to him and stand against him, and the Bible says he'll run away from you. So let's practice this. Can you say, get out of here, devil? Get out of here, devil. Let's try it again. Get out of here, devil. Get out of here, devil. Again. Yeah, good, Ellie. All right, let's practice it. One, two, three. Get out of here, devil. That's good. You want to do it one more time? No. 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 <laughs> uh, devil made me just say that. I can't help it. All right, let's pray, boys and girls, that you stay away from the devil and he stays away from you. Father, we know that these are our most precious possessions in the whole world, the children that you give to us. And I pray for every parent. I was trying to parent in a crazy world that's gone off its rocker. I pray, God, that you would give great wisdom and peace. I pray that you would protect these young ladies and young men from the Satan and from the traps that he would set for them. And Father, bless them mightily, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, amen. Go ahead and go to your classes and don't listen to the devil. Get out of here. All right, good, 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 good. All right, so... Uh, what we've got here, Tempted by Satan, First Baptist Church of Coronado, and today's date, and 
I want to share with you, first of all, something you may not have thought about. So here we have the map. And have you ever thought about in the first three years of Jesus' life on this earth, he did an incredible amount of traveling. Now, starting up here in Nazareth, that's where Mary and Joseph were. Now, Jesus wasn't, wasn't around yet. He was, uh, Mary was expecting him. So what they had to do was travel from here because of the census required and the taxation all the way down here. And that's approximately 100 miles, a little bit less, maybe 100 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. He was born here, and then he was taken right over here to Jerusalem, a short distance. And then from Jerusalem, he either went back to Bethlehem for a very short period of time, or maybe through Bethlehem on his way to Egypt, because he had been warned uh, that there was going to be, Herod was going to take vengeance and try to wipe out any uh, Messiah that had been born. So he went to Egypt. Then uh, when he got notification to come back from Egypt, he went all the way from Egypt down here somewhere, maybe down here in this window, and he, he came back up to Nazareth. Uh, and then when he was 12 years of age, what happened? He went down to the temple, and he was, went there with his parents at 12 years of age. He reasoned with the uh, folks, the teachers, and the, and the spiritual leaders. And then he went back up to Nazareth and then was silent for about 18 years. We don't know much else that happened then. But then he came down at 30 years of age right here to the Jericho River where, and somewhere near the wilderness where John the Baptist was baptizing. And there he got baptized. And then immediately from here, he went to today's topic, which is right here in the desert, somewhere in this area. And that's the temptation uh, that uh, Satan would, would give to him. So, and that's in about the summer of 29 AD. So 40 days of incredible wilderness experience in, in an arid part. If you've ever been to Israel, arid, very dry, very hot, uh, not much uh, shrubbery, not much in the way of, of plant life at all. So in Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, and by the way, the parallel passage in the Synoptic Gospels would be in Luke chapter 4, but for today's message, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, let me stop there already and say sometimes God will lead us into a place that actually is a wilderness. That doesn't mean God's mad at us, doesn't mean God's left us, doesn't mean that God is not real. But sometimes God leads us into a wilderness for purposes that he has, and maybe only he knows that. So we won't always live on the mountaintop. You haven't, if, you haven't been, if you've been a Christian very long, you know that's the case. We don't stay on the mountaintops. Thank God for the mountaintops. I love the mountaintops. I love being on, up here and all the excitement and the thrill and everything seems to be. Someone asked me today, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing amazingly well. I just, I'm so blessed. I can't hardly stand it. If I get any more blessings, I'm going to have to be two people. It just, God is so good. But you know what will happen? You know what will happen? I find myself at some point down in a valley because in order to get to the mountaintops, you have to go down to the valley. Dan, you get back from skiing in Utah. You get up there on top, you ski, get, you ski which way? Down. You don't ski up, you ski down. Then you have to come back up. So that's the way life is. And when we get in the valley, when we get in the wilderness, then how will we then live? Can I say it's easy to live for the Lord on the mountaintop? It's a little tougher in the valley. 
How will we conduct ourselves? When you're at home, everything's going great. It's easier. You get on that gray ship on a gray ocean under a gray sky, and you're gone for six months. It's a little tougher. How will we continue to believe? Hopefully, our faith is strong enough that even in the wilderness, we'll continue to believe and we'll continue to put our faith, our trust completely in God. So it says here, Jesus was led by the Spirit. Notice that. He, he wasn't wandering around on his own. Of course, he was the Son of God anyhow. But, but for our application, he was led by the Spirit. In and so God sometimes leads us into places like that. To be tempted there by the devil. Now, Luke tells us that he immediately left Jordan and proceeded to the wilderness. The Gospel of Luke alone says that. Uh, Mark briefly mentions the fact, uh, but Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, and there battled with the presence of an unholy spirit. For those of you who think the devil is a cartoon character, you're you're vulnerable to the attacks of the evil one, because he's not a cartoon character. He doesn't walk around in a red suit. That's Santa Claus. Uh, he doesn't walk around in a red suit. He doesn't have horns. He doesn't have a tail with a, with a you know pitchfork on the end of it or whatever. Uh, he is he is a real entity. He's a real spirit being. He uh, disguises himself as angels of light sometimes. An angel of light sometimes. He may appear to you as a as a handsome guy, a beautiful woman, uh, someone who has some great opportunity for, there's just no telling. The devil is real. And Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit and then did battle with the unholy spirit. And by the way, being tempted does not mean we're out of God's will. I tell guys, in California, uh, you drive down the road and someone, some young lady is going to be wearing something that's going to attract your attention. Just, uh, you know, just does that. I mean, can I be honest with you? I mean, it really does. And, and I always tell the guys, first look is not a sin. <laughs> you see, you better, you better divert your eyes then. The second look, you're starting to tread on thin ice. You're in a bad situation. Being tempted does not mean we're out of God's will necessarily. There may be temptations while we're in the perfect will of God. As a matter of fact, that's a, a, that's a great time for Satan to attack. Because when we're in the will of God, everything's going well. We think we're doing well. We're following God. We're, we've got our devotion. We're reading the Bible. We're praying. We're trusting God. Everything's great. And then all of a sudden, he sneaks his way. He wearms his way into our life. So we could be tempted while in the perfect will of God. And again, temptation in and of itself is not sin. Now, he was tempted, uh, but the Bible says for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became very hungry. Anybody here ever done a 40-day total complete fast? I don't think so. Uh, During an extended fast, the immediate hunger pangs go away normally after three or four days. So if you do an extended fast, I'm talking water-only fast, Uh, Three or four days after that, maybe five, the hunger pangs will stop. It's it's amazing. But when the body starts to be hungry again on a long fast, it's time to break the fast because now you're consuming things like muscle and things that are important. Uh, So it's a signal to break the fast. So a 40-day fast, in my opinion, and I know people have done it, but in my opinion, it, it should be a supernatural fast. It should be something that God directs us to do, and God makes it very clear that we're supposed to do. Otherwise, I don't think it ought to be done. Maybe a, uh, maybe a three-day fast, a one-day fast, three-day fast, seven-day fast, maybe 10. Uh, 
you get up to 40 days, that's, uh, that's um, a serious fast. During, the time, that, during that time, the devil came to him and said to him, notice what he says, if you are the son of God, huh? if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. So, so Satan's first thing here is he's challenging um, the truth and the veracity of who he really is. He's challenging who Jesus really is. He did the same thing in Genesis chapter 3 with Eve when she was looking at the fruit like those little kids were. <laughs> she was looking at and looking around, you know, and, and, and getting ready to reach for it. Uh, did God really say that if you touch it, you're going to die? Did God really say that? Well, he told Adam not to eat of it. I don't know if he told him not to touch it, but he told him not to eat of it. But Jesus answered him when when Satan suggested that he go ahead and turn the stones into bread. He says, uh, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So in this temptation, Jesus responded with scripture. That's why it's important for us to know scripture. That's one reason why it's important for us to memorize verses. So that we can defeat the devil. I tell guys who come to me and they say, you know what, I have a, I have a problem with lust. Uh, and, and so what, what do I do to get rid of that problem? I, I tell them, memorize verses that deal specifically with that particular issue. So that you can recall those things. And then when that temptation comes along, then recall and, and quote that scripture. The other thing is to try to superimpose upon your mind a a visualization or a picture of Christ being crucified, the nails being driven into his hands, the nails being driven into his feet, the crown of thorns being pushed down on his brow, the beating with a cat of nine. Imagine those things as vividly as you possibly can, and what you'll do is you'll drive that temptation to lust to one side. You cannot meditate on two things at once. You might be able to do two things at once. You can chew gum and walk. I used to be able to do that, chew gum and walk at the same time. But you cannot, you cannot meditate, which means to ruminate or chew upon something. You cannot do that uh, on two different items. You, have, you can't, guys, you can't watch a football game and listen and talk to your wife at the same time. You can't do it. That's why she gets so ticked when, you, when, you, when she comes in, you won't talk to her. I'm talking about other people right now, babe. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> so, just trying to explain truth. Truth, you know, that's what I'm here for. Okay, moving on. Uh, so, so Jesus responds with the word of God. And then the devil, not satisfied, not through, not finished, tempting him, took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. I'm not sure. I should have looked it up, figured out how tall. It, it, probably not real tall. I don't think it was super tall, but it, it was tall enough that, uh, that if you jump off of it, you'd have some issues, you'd have some problems. So he said, again, if you are the son of God, again, questioning who he really was and his credentials, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded uh, with the scriptures again, you must not test or tempt the Lord your God. He could have done that. He could have, he could have come down off that temple and not had a, a, a scratch or a bruise. But he said, don't tempt. Don't test God. Sometimes we tempt and test God by doing things we know we shouldn't do or playing with the idea of doing things that we shouldn't do. 
And as a result, we get ourselves into trouble. He was quick to say, no, not going to do it. Get out of here, basically. Leave me alone. You must not tempt the Lord thy God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain somewhere. I think this was, um, I think this was also in Nazareth. I think it was in that area, and it was in some, some of the, uh, the higher parts of that. There's a, a rather large drop-off. I love how God, when I'm, I'm doing these messages, I was just telling Rachel about this. I do these messages, and I'm like, I think four weeks ahead right now and what I've got going uh, in the next series, and I'm starting on the Easter message, but God keeps doing things. Um, for example, I got a post yesterday. I, this, this message had been put together basically three weeks ago, and I got a message and a photograph uh, from one of my preacher friends of Nazareth saying, this is the high place, perhaps, uh, that, that Jesus was. And it's like, thank you, Lord. I, I, I appreciate that. And in my devotions today, totally unconnected to the messages, was Luke chapter 4, which goes along, correlates with Matthew chapter 4. It's the, kind of the, the other text that we would use if we were going back and forth between the two. Uh, so he keeps affirming that this is, in my opinion, uh, that this is what he wants preached and this is what he wants talked about. But again, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. So he got the, somehow he supernaturally showed him. I know uh, that it's not natural to be able to see all the kingdoms of the world. God somehow allowed the devil to show him all the kingdoms of which the devil was predominant. And, and he said to Jesus, I will give it to you. He said, if you will kneel down and worship me. There's a change in the devil's chicanery here because he doesn't say, if you are the son of God, because he got slapped down twice with the word of God. So now he doesn't say that. He says, here's the kingdoms of the world. They're my domain right now. I will give them to you if you would just kneel down and worship me. So he appeals now to compromise. And that's sometimes where the devil will go with us. When he can't get us to outright sin and participate in a particular sin, he will try to get us to compromise and kind of move a little bit. And here's what's happened in the United States of America since I've been on the face of this earth. The, the world... The scriptures are right here. Uh, no, the world is right here. Scriptures are right here. This is what we ought to be doing. This is what the world's doing. As time has gone on, what happens? Now the church and scriptures, the interpretation of scriptures, are where the world used to be. And we think we're doing so good because the world's over here now. But we're already into Satan's territory. We're already wrong. We're already off and we've compromised the truth of the word of God. So, so Jesus, just bow down, just kneel down, worship me, and you'll gain everything. You're going to have everything anyhow. Why not go ahead and get it right now? And Jesus responds this way, get out of here, Satan, basically. Get out of here. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Exclusive. I talked to someone the other day that said, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? They said, no. I said, I, I can't believe there's, with all the ways, there's only one way. I can't believe that. You know what? There's only one diamond, and all the other stuff is made to look like a diamond. Uh, zirconium is, looks like a diamond. A rhinestone maybe looks like a diamond. They're glass. 
but a diamond is a diamond. So you have the fake because you have the real. So you have so many fake religions, fake beliefs, fake way to gods because there is one true way. Someone says, well, all the religions of the world are like a gigantic wagon wheel and all the spokes lead to the hub. So if you want to die and go to the hub, go for it. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to die and go to the hub. I want to die and go to heaven. And there's only one way, Jesus said. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Now, here's what happened. After three times being tempted like this, the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of him. James chapter 4, verse 7 tells us to resist Satan, and he will flee from us. We don't have to run away from him. We resist him, and he will flee from us. Too many times we try to outwit him instead, or we try to play with the temptation uh, Luke adds, by the way, another important fact regarding the exit of Satan here. It says Satan left him until the next opportunity came. So we're not to believe, according to this, that, that these are the only temptations Christ ever experienced. He left him until the next opportunity came. And I personally believe that all during his public ministry, Satan was always just around the corner, ready to pounce on him. Victory over temptation today, are you listening, does not guarantee victory tomorrow. We get all relaxed. Well, I got that. I defeated that. I got over that. There's tomorrow. I had a very close family member who once told me quitting smoking is easy. I've done it hundreds of times. There are three temptations here. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, love not the world. That's the cosmos, which means the wicked anti-God philosophies that make up the present world system. Love not that, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father. It's not emanate from the Father. It's not out of the Father. Those kinds of things are not from God, but of the cosmos of the world. And the world world, listen to this, passes away. It disappears. It'll vanish one day. And the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides, which means re- remains or lives forever for all of eternity. The lust of the flesh refers to one's carnal appetite. The lust of, or desire here is in the Greek, uh, epithemia, and it's found 38 times in the New Testament. Only three places does it have a positive connotation. So you can have, uh, in the positive use of it, you can have a lust for food. That's okay if it just means you desire food. But you can have an inordinate lust for food, which then becomes this epithymia, uh, which which is wrong. It's a carnal appetite. It is in opposition to a spiritual appetite. One commentator says the lust of the flesh is our polluted desires. We know about pollution. We've got the sewage that flows routinely and has flown, uh, flowed, flown, flowed, has, it has seeped into our water, our ocean uh, uh, from Tijuana. It's done that for ever since 1973 when I got here. It's done it probably before that, um, and it's really bad. A polluted desire. We don't want pollution, uh, but polluted desires. That's what lusts the flesh. Another says the lower animal nature. Yet another says the sinful cravings of mankind. Young people, you young sailors, you teenagers, you're especially susceptible to lust of the flesh, these baser desires. Old people like me are generally too tired to try to pursue them. So. 
There is an upside to getting old, Dan, and it's, it's like, ah, I don't want to go there anymore. That's <laughs> These lusts are antithetical to God and godliness. They do not coexist with God and godliness. Yielding to these lusts, desires and desires lead to spiritual failure, immorality, debauchery, sin, ruin, judgment from God. Continued yielding is a downward spiral to a life completely out of control. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes, the second thing. Literally, the desire of the eyes, and that's what that video was on those two little kids. As they were wide-eyed, mom and dad, looking down at the food. Mom and dad leave the room, look down, look at each other. Yeah. <laughs> Lust of the eyes, the desire of the eyes. Why are food commercials so successful? Because you see that stinking third of a pound hamburger patty with cheese dripping off of it, ketchup and mustard and onions and avocado and bacon. Shall we pray? <laughs> I went to Ireland yesterday. I had something called the wedge. I didn't ever order the wedge before because I thought it was a salad. It was a bacon and cheese and lettuce sandwich on a glorious whole wheat bun. Oh, was it good, I'm telling you. And it, why do they employ, why, why do toothpaste commercial and deodorant commercial employ attractive, beautiful young ladies or, or handsome young men? What is sexy about brushing your stinking teeth? Nothing, but you're not, you're thinking, oh, wow, yeah, I'm going to go buy some Colgate. Yeah, I want some Ipana. Ipana? You know what I'm talking about. Chuck, you know what I'm talking about. So why do alcohol commercials feature young adults having a great time, having a blast, because old, broken-down alcoholics are not very attractive? That's why. These are sinful cravings, which are activated by what people see, and what people see leads to covetousness. And covetousness is a part of what makes up the cravings of sinful mankind in this context. And desiring to have what others have because you're jealous of them is an entirely wrong motivation. We ought to rejoice when a brother or sister is blessed in some amazing way. We ought to. Somebody, do we need a nurse over there? Do we need somebody? Okay, do we have anybody, uh, a medical? Uh, David, come and help him out here. Let's, maybe uh, he might need to lie down. Is he passed out? No, okay, okay, all right. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we pray now for our brother Fred. We pray, God, that you would take care of him, that you would supply his every need physically and whatever else that he needs. Father, we know you're a God who loves us and takes care of us, and you're, we're precious in your sight, and so our, our dear brother here is precious in our sight. And God, we pray that you would help him to recover very quickly and that whatever he needs would be met by you as the great physician and his Lord and God and Savior. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Do we need to move him anywhere? Into, uh, do we need to call an ambulance? Does anybody know? David's got him. Okay. All right. We're okay? We're okay right now? Okay. Okay. Let me know if we need anything at all. We need to do anything at all differently. Um, 
Should we call 911? What do you think? Let's, let's, um, would somebody do that? Who, who, who could do that for us? Okay. Um, did somebody raise their hand? <laughs> yeah, call, please. 911, just tell them, yeah, please come. Was there any, any pain or anything or just uh, loss of consciousness or what? No? Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll, have the, we'll have the experts get here in a minute, and that will, uh, that will be a little bit different. So God bless you, my friend. Love you, man. Um, we ought to rejoice when others are blessed. The pride of life, third element is pride in one's own possessions. Uh, pride of life, the word there is bios. We get the word biology from. has a range of meanings uh, from life to life livelihood to living, prosperity, possessions. So this lust is referenced uh, with the sense of being puffed up and prideful over ownership, uh, over possessions of the things of cosmos, the things of this world. Uh, and these temptations are not of the Father. By the way, God never tempts you to do sin. You know that? God will never tempt you to do something wrong. He will test you. And that's an entirely different thing. James said, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil Neither, te- neither tempts he any man with evil, but he does test or try people to see if their faith uh, is, is strong or not. Uh, and we are tempted by our own lust and enticed. Uh, we're baited, we're entrapped by our own sinful desires. And when sin or lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. So this world is passing away. You know that, right? This world's going away, but he or she who does the will of God abides forever. And everybody's going to live forever, but just like with real estate, it's location, location, (laughs) location. You're going to live forever one place or the other. You better make it the right one. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get this, um, uh, so I'm going to skip the, the, uh, the first, I was going to talk about the first Adam and then the second Adam and got a whole bunch of stuff to say here about that. But the results of the temptation, let's just go right there. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. I love this. The devil left him, angels came and ministered to him. We had some angels right over here come and minister just seconds ago. Uh, Diablos, the accuser, left him alone. Angel bands. These angels were called diaconio, which means servants or deacons, not doulos, which was a slave, because the angels came voluntarily and freely and served our Savior by ministering to his every need. It reminded me of a boomer song, devil or angel. <laughs> I'd rather have angels, so you got to resist Satan. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to do communion. Uh, we'll wait and see. Are they here? I saw the police car go by. It didn't stop. Okay. Let's bow our heads. Look into your own life. Assuming we're going to have communion in just a moment, Examine your own heart. What temptations are there? What desires are there that are ungodly? What desires are there that are, in fact, of the world, of that which disappears, of that which passes away? And which ones are of God? Feed the ones that are of God. Renounce the ones that are of Satan. Just spend a moment right now talking to God, confessing sins, 
making things right. If you want to receive Christ as your Savior, just pray, dear God, I'm a sinner and I know that. I know that Christ died for me on the cross and I trust him with all my heart, with all my soul. I want him to be my Savior today. God, change me from the inside out in Jesus' name. And if you just prayed that prayer, God knows your heart's desire. God knows what you want. God knows if you're sincere. And what we're going to do now is we're going to give the responders a moment. If you want to and need to leave, go ahead and do so. They'll be here momentarily. If you want to stick around, you're more than welcome to stick around. We may go ahead and have communion, depending on a couple of things after this. But God bless you. Some of Coronado's finest is going to show up here in just a minute.
so far as I know, he did not lose consciousness. Um, it looked like he might have was shuffling his feet a little bit and kind of lost his footing and fell. Uh, but he, I didn't like the coloration, so we went ahead and we want to make sure and be safe rather than sorry. So that's why we went ahead and called 911. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians, Paul talked about having received of the Lord that which he delivered unto them, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. So I'm going to ask uh, those that are, that are assigned to help out if, if you would take your positions and um, someone on this side over here. There you go. And if anyone needs the communion elements and you don't have them yet, would you please raise your hand if you intend to take communion? All, of the, all the way up here on the top, Steve. Or Bill, that'd be okay, yeah. who did not receive the elements, raise your hand up. I don't see any hands, so thank you guys. The Bible says when he had given thanks, he took the bread. So let us give thanks for the blessings God gives and thanks for the fact that we have people who can help us when we have times of need like this. Our Father, we bow before you, Lord, as the creator, as the God supreme, the only true living God, as the God who is the great physician, as the God who attends to our every need, very concerned about your children. So we know you're concerned about Fred, and Lord, we know that you'll minister to him. May your will be done in his life right now. God, we ask you to bless this congregation, Lord. Thank you for the bread that symbolizes the sinless, broken body of our Savior on that cross 2,000 years ago, becoming our vicarious substitution, becoming the Lamb of God who took away the sins of our lives by grace through faith in, him, in you. Father, bless as we partake together in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says he blessed the bread and then ate. Next, the Bible says he took the cup and he gave thanks. Father, we thank you again, not only for the broken body, that lamb of God, but for the blood, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So, Father, just as Israel was delivered by the blood of the lamb being applied to the doorposts. So we're delivered by the blood of the lamb of God that was shed on the cross so that we could have everlasting life. 
Lord, may we keep forefront in our minds and hearts the idea that this world passes away, it disappears. But he that abides and does the will of God abides forever with you in heaven. Thank you for securing that at such a terrible price of the blood of your son. We pray in Jesus' name. He took the cup and he said, drink you all of it. Then they went out to the Mount of Olives. They sang a song before they did so. And our chorus that we like to sing is, thank you, Lord, for saving our soul. Thank you, Lord, for making us whole. So as we stand, and as much as possible, as much as you feel comfortable doing so, join hands with those that are around you, and let's sing this chorus together. God richly bless you and Fred Robinson.